Well, hey everyone. Welcome to episode 195 of F-Stop, Collaborate and Listen. This week on the podcast, I was happy to be joined by Andy Baino. Andy is a photographer living in Richmond, Virginia, who seems to always have a new project up his sleeve. I was excited to talk to him about his latest project, which examines the lives of people in relationships that were only able to meet with each other virtually via Zoom, as has become commonplace since the start of COVID-19. Andy and I discussed some interesting topics this week, including his monograph book project called Corona Coupling, how physical separation takes a toll on relationships, using Zoom as a camera, focusing on the creative process instead of the equipment, artistic motivation and self-limiting beliefs and how to overcome them, virtual photography, and much more. Okay, let's get to the show. All right, Andy Baino, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Thanks for having me, Matt. It is great to hang out with you tonight. Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, got my uh, got my beer here, and I understand that you've also got some alcoholic beverage as well. It's my creative juicy juice. It's Malbec, yes. Oh, Malbec, it's uh, from, what, Argentina or Chile? Uh, you're already way over my head. I don't know. All I know is it comes out of a box or a bottle. It's <laughs> And it tastes good. <laughs> <laughs> well brilliant it, this this wine wrote my last book <laughs> true story oh, well, that makes total sense well cool so andy for for people that uh may not be familiar with you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into photography well uh Many words come out of my face, so I will try to keep it short. And then if uh, anything sounds remotely interesting, you can ask me a follow-up question. Um, I I tell people that, uh, well, I tell people different things. It depends. I make up true stories. But here's a, this is a true one. I use cameras, keyboards, and microphones to create what I call propaganda art to save the human race. So this is a word that I am, maybe it's single-handedly, I don't know. There's probably others out there trying to take back the word propaganda. I have, for as long as I can remember, been intrigued by marketing and advertising. But um, the older I got, starting like probably in my 20s and then uh, on, just I'm really fascinated with how people are moved by simple images and simple phrases um, and so this idea of propaganda art is, uh, I, I define it as ideas, allegations, and aesthetic objects produced with the conscious use of skill and creative imagination spread deliberately to further one's cause or to damage an opposing cause. But that's my mashup of propaganda and art. And, um, and, and I take a very positive spin on this. I'm a, I'm an optimist. I like people, uh, I want to see smiles. So an example of how I would use propaganda art to save the human race would be uh, if if you were a town planner, let's say, and um, you were interested in uh, creating a vibrant downtown, I would say you want to do things like increase the smile density in your downtown. So I would want to capture things that would make people smirk or smile or uh, lean back a little bit in comfort and think, yeah, that's sound, that looks fun. Or if they lean forward and they're on the edge of their seat, it's not because they're nervous about something they see in an image or in a catchphrase. It's, I want to be there. I want to linger there. I want to go people watch there. Uh, and so for me, that's, that's places that are 
uh, walk friendly, bike friendly, things like that. So that's that's how um, that's how I see things. Uh, that's a sideways answer, I guess, in as far as how I um, how I was in or am in photography. Um, I, I have zero qualifications for <laughs> an artistic life, uh, and yet <laughs> um, I, I've somehow. Um, gotten awards for photography and filmmaking and writing and podcasting. And, and these are things that I was not trained to do. I, my parents helped me buy a, a civil engineering degree. So I don't know. I, I share that with people as a way of encouragement to say, look, you don't have to have a, um, some fancy pants degree or some fine art degree or pedigree in your family uh, to be able to do these kinds of things. It's you, you see the world a certain way, uh, grab a camera and, and document it, capture it somehow. Yeah. So are you a full-time photographer or is it just kind of a side thing for you? I'm full-time in the sense that there's always something being captured. Um, it's not my full-time income. Uh, yes. What I do for primarily for money, though, does revolve around storytelling. Even it, it's I do work at this intersection of the built environment and um, and storytelling persuasion. And so this, that example I gave you about town planning is is my core. I do want to persuade people. I want to persuade city councils and departments of transportation to to plan and design stuff that is delightful for people. So. Um, yeah, they, but the older I get, the more in the more I'm leaning into the art side of life. Sure. Yeah. Same here. I don't know what that's about. Maybe it's getting tired of working, but I I love creating. You know. Maybe it's uh, maturity. Maybe the older we get, the smarter we're getting about this. And uh, <laughs> if we <laughs> if we had a DeLorean and could go back in time and tell our younger selves, we would shake our younger selves by the by the shoulders and say, "Look." Stop listening to those elementary school teachers and high school teachers. And uh, it's it, it turns out that some of my early guidance counselors were wrong. You can make a living with your mouth. <laughs> I just said, no, <laughs> I knew it. I should go back and say I was right. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting you say um, you're, up, you're all about city planning. I'm actually on the planning commission of the city that I live in. And I find that's a very, very interesting thing to be involved in. Let's just put it that way. Let's settle all the disputes in your hometown tonight. <laughs> oh man, do we have that much time? We're gonna we're gonna make we're gonna make photographic history. Um, yeah, this will be great. <laughs> I'll document it. And so, so Andy, where do you live? I'm in Richmond, Virginia. Okay, uh, okay. I've been here for about sixteen uh, ish years, something like that. I grew up in in Virginia, uh, the suburbs of Washington D.C., and then I've, I'm now about uh, ninety miles south in Richmond, cool, which is cool. a great spot. Like most other places, once you get off the interstate, it's fantastic. Uh, if you only look at a place from the interstate, it's going to be miserable. But get off the interstate if you're on I ninety five on the East Coast. Definitely visit Richmond. Cool. I will uh, keep that in mind if I ever go back to the East Coast. <laughs> hey, so I am really curious to hear about uh, your your recent monograph uh, project, which I think you've called Corona Coupling or Corona the Corona Coupling Project. Tell tell us a little bit about kind of your idea behind this project and kind of where it's gone. Yeah. So. Um... I'll uh, I'll tell you the the kind of the one liner of it, and then 
tell you why um, I did this because I, I guess I should give some bit of context when I when I say when I was saying earlier that I uh, am documenting things. I most of the work that I do is street photography, so I like being in crowds. I like people everywhere. I like people watching. Uh, I use a Ricoh GR. It's a wide angle. It's I can get right up into people's business. I li- I just like with a smile being really close in with people. Um, so as some kind of background, here's a person who loves that. And then in these plague days that we find ourselves, none of us are supposed to be in, in crowds like that. Um, so <laughs> Corona Coupling is a photography project about relationships in the age of a global pandemic. Um, it, the, when I first thought of it, I thought of it as a gallery project. I was visualizing it in large format, hanging in walls. Uh, but in the interim, I've got an eight by ten book that I made out of it. Um, so what happened about a I guess it was a year and a half ago now uh, in the summertime, um, pre-COVID age, I was with a small group of friends hanging out at a lake, and one of the women was telling us about her experience with dating apps. So you know, mm-hmm. normal kind of just stories, some funny, some uh, some unintentionally funny, but just telling us a little bit about uh, the dating app experience. And then a few months later, we were hanging out again, and she was giving us an update about a couple of guys that she was interested in particular. So this is getting later in the year, later in 2019. And then a few months after that, COVID lockdowns began. So she might as well have been dating someone on another continent, because now just, you know, you, what are you going to do? Right. And martial law doesn't care about your romantic relationships. So it got me thinking about people forced to be separated from loved ones. And this is nothing new. I mean, you know, back in prehistoric ages, some band of men would go off to war and leave their families behind and and they would be separated for some period of time. Um, But I was thinking just in these modern day contexts, that that idea of having no choice to have to be separated. So all those people that were on business trips or um, vacations and just all of a sudden had no choice but to freeze where they were. And then at the same time, I was thinking about something that I've told my kids for years, perhaps not profound, and that is (laughs) the internet is amazing. I've been telling them since they were tiny and didn't understand what that meant, but the internet is amazing. They're Uh, like, okay, grandpa. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) So I've been a remote worker for years, even when I've had an office nearby, kind of anchored to a corporation that's had an office nearby. I've, I've been remote for a long time. So this, so that kind of remote work, being away from an office, uh, relying on cloud computing, that's, that's not new to me. Um, video conferencing in particular, not new. But it was funny, it quickly became this household routine around the world. And so for me, I, you know, thinking again about people and relationships and this one, this one woman in particular, um, these, the world is sheltered in place and then video chats are becoming routine. And so then I'm thinking, okay, so physical separation takes a toll on relationships. I mean, any psychologist is going to tell you that, that we, we are creatures who love to be near each other, especially if it's a romantic relationship. Um, but then it also, it offers creative ways for couples to spend time together. So, I mean, I remember when I was a kid and and we would see sometimes astronauts were on the news and there'd be these little segments where at random times of day or night, because 
I, I can't figure out time and space, how they keep it, how keep track of time. I don't know. But I remember there'd be these little clips of astronauts recording things and then sending the signal back to Earth. And, and you'd see, you know, somebody's giving a good night message or reading a story to their kid who's way down on planet Earth. Um, but we, we long for connection. Uh, we want physical touch, but if we can't have it, we adapt somehow. And so that's, that was what was spinning around in my head about this, this thing that became Corona coupling. It's these, these photographs I ended up taking, uh, recreate zoom distance relationships. And so if you back to what I said earlier about making up true stories, if you imagine, uh, 54 different participants, um, each separated from a loved one, uh, or, romantic uh, significant other what would what would their conversations be like what would their video calls be like what you know getting ready for the day um practicing yoga uh having breakfast together um a pool party in the bathtub just whatever just uh, what would you do with a significant other if all you had was kind of a a short video call and so i guess in a way what this ended up being was um if, if if a street photographer was doing uh like PG thirteen boudoir maybe it's this is what it comes out so it's it's not it's it's a <laughs> bit it's a bit voyeuristic because you as the viewer take the role of significant other so as you're looking through these um the the series of images for each person there's there's about six per person it's as if you are in having that conversation. Um, so it's not portraits in the sense of here are seductive images of your significant other. It's not that at all. It's, hey, I'm, I'm working, I'm, I've got my guitar out. I'm working on a new song. Let me play it for you. Um, it's, it's not, um, yeah, I guess I, I won't ramble anymore. I'll, I'll just leave it there and, and, uh, see what you have to say about all that. So what, 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 uh, what was your reason for doing the project? I mean, obviously, as COVID started happening, we all found it to be more challenging than, you know, it was before COVID. Uh, but I don't think there's a lot of people that said when COVID happened, there wasn't a lot of people that were like, oh, I have this really cool idea on how to, you know, showcase something that's happening during COVID. What, what, why did you do the project? Um, I, good question. Um, I'm staring at the ceiling looking for the answer. Uh, <laughs> I guess in a it didn't it just seemed like an obvious thing to me. It can and I don't I don't have a problem hitting publish. So there's in kind of a startup mentality there in in any industry startups are are concerned about getting to market quickly mm-hmm. and testing a product. So minimum viable product is a big deal. Uh you you get something that's good enough and you release it and then you tweak it as you go. And so when it comes to, for me, for blogging, when I podcast, uh, writing, and I'm not suggesting that I just, I'm going to crank out junk in, in whatever the content format is. I'm, I'm saying that I'm comfortable thinking through something editing it a little and then releasing it. And so when the, these ideas around relationships in this period and especially forced separation that really sticks with me like forcing people to do something that's 
anti-human. We need, we want each other's company and we were prohibited from being in each other's company. At the same time, I'm an internal optimist and I know we adapt. And so I like this idea of um, reminding both myself, but then others, hey, there's a, there's a way to look at this situation that we're in and still put a smile on our face. Like all through recorded history, people have documented times when they've been going through incredible suffering and misery as a as a large group, and yet they find things to laugh about. They find games to play. Um, they find ways to enjoy life, even in the midst of incredible suffering. And so, that's those kinds of thoughts are in my head when I'm when I'm putting something like this together. And the feedback I got when I was um, asking around about interest, I, I get I, it, it didn't take me long to realize I must be onto something because each of the people just one after another was saying, whoa, I love that idea. Yeah. Let, how do we do it? When can we do it? Um, and so then I had to start to scramble. Like, yeah, good question. How <laughs> <laughs> I got to I got to figure this thing out. Um, and so it's, it, I guess, you know, maybe in one way of encouragement is it's, it's encouragement from a relationship point of view. And then in another way of encouragement to, for other artists who are making stuff is just make stuff. I mean, if you don't, you can't run out to the store and get a new pair of, uh, or pair set of paintbrushes or whatever, you're, you're running out of equipment, deal with what you've got. Um, if you live on a you're you live on a large lot with trees, maybe you get some bark off of one of your trees. Um, I'm gonna have some friends that tell me that's terrible for trees. I shouldn't say that, but you know, you, <laughs> you use another material. You know, you you just you figure something out. Um, and so, as as part of that that thinking of helping people and encouraging people along the relationship side of things, what I did with this with this book was to include along the way. Um, some narrative. And my my original thought was, since I write a lot, that was that I would make up some true stories, or I would maybe have one big story arc or several story arcs throughout this book. And then what ended up happening was, um, just as I was talking with each of the people that participated, everybody had these fun little anecdotes. Um, uplifting and and happy and some melancholy and some some sad but then even the ones that had sad ones had would quickly come back with the with something uplifting and and so i thought well why should i put my voice on top of everything i my my eyeballs are kind of getting on this because the the way that the images are processed are all how i see kind of see the world um in high contrast black and white um but i asked I went back to everyone and asked three basic questions and uh, um, so that I, instead of my stories, I could just have their actual stories. And it was, um, what was what, well, let's see, what was the first question? It was, what was, what's one thing that you learned about yourself during quarantine? And the second was, um, what is one relationship? It doesn't have to be romantic, but what's one relationship that has improved during quarantine. Mm. And then the mm -hmm. third one was just simply, why do you, what's one reason that you enjoy making art? Cause I know a lot of these people do different, some of them are models. Some of them are doing other things, music, um, poetry, it, you name it. They, just lots of different things. Sewing. So what, it, what ended up happening was I got <laughs> bombarded. I had to set up a database with all these responses because um, they, 
they just unleashed their ideas and just their their observations about life throughout 2020. And any time now that I either see in my Twitter feed or hear from someone a groan about the year 2020 and how awful it is, I I get it. I I know <laughs> I I know why everybody feels the need to say 2020 was awful, but I can't help now but think back to uh, any one of these little nuggets from 54 different people who have these little reminders about things that they learned about themselves or things that they learned about uh, or th- relationships that improved or just a reminder to themselves and to others about why they enjoy making something. Yeah. <clears throat> so for this project, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but you literally used people's webcams in Zoom as your f- camera. I did. So what I did was... Um, and I tested a couple of different technology approaches because I knew there would be um, I, I asked around a couple of friends who um, are full time photographers if they had tried any of this um, and they hadn't. And so I, I messed around with it myself. One one just very basic ideas like the the old fashioned uh, take a use a camera to take a picture of a screen, um, which I saw people do a long time ago on displays in something projected up on a TV or on a wall and taking a picture of that. Um, and apparently now there's some photographers that are doing that. They're, they're uh, angling things in such a way that they're not getting glare. But so what I did was I had, we, we would have a zoom call. So let's say you and I were the ones or you're my participant and I'm the photographer. Um, you and I would have a zoom call. You, so I would be, I would see you, you would see me and I would screen capture as my camera. So that was my camera was just screen capture. And so what I would do was just the same thing that I would do um, silently. If I was doing street photography, I choreographed. So I'm, I'm the director. And so what I would do is um, guide as far as lighting and angles and, um, you know, points of view. Some people probably about half of them use a cell phone and the other half were using a laptop. Um, So the perspectives are different. Some had tripods, some did not. Um, it, you, so you get, again, like real life. If, you, if you're having a conversation with somebody over video chat and it's a significant other, so it's not like a business meeting where you have to have everything set up and organized just right. Um, it's going to be sometimes a little wonky. And so um, so I would, I would give, we, we would look around the room and see what, what are the light sources? Is there natural light? If you know, what's coming from where, what's the background like. Um, and then we would just, we would think of very, they, they would come to the call with a very specific idea or two in mind. Like, um, maybe it's book club. Uh, I've, this is a book. We're going to read it together. Um, or, you know, reenact as if we were reading it together. Uh, and then we would kind of, I, I would guide a little bit. And then, so they would hold a pose, come in and out of a pose. But what I find is just like in street photography, it's those in-between moments that for me are uh, magical. And that's, so I, I might tell someone, hold your hand just like this and and slowly turn your chin this way. Um, but usually it's it's on the way to where they're supposed to look or it's as they relax or it's when they release a burst of air out of like they're like oh, finally i can relax now it's those kinds of things or they roll their eyes or something you know it's those little things and those little gestures that come out in between the poses and uh that's for me what made it so fun because i could see these things happening 
in real time. They couldn't see it until after the fact. So I'm the one that's doing the the capture. They're all as far as they're seeing. I mean, they, they knew what I was going to do. They knew the plan. But it, you can imagine for for probably each and every one of them, they're feeling a little uncomfortable. Like, okay, I'm just I'm talking. I'm talking. I'm saying I used a trick that my mom would tell singers. Like, if you don't know the words of a song, you say watermelon, watermelon, and that makes your mouth look like you're talking. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would just we would just talk and so we would talk we these didn't have to last long and so we would just talk for a few minutes um they'd be laughing they're you know they they'd be different types of expressions and then that's it then we'd be done and so then afterwards i would i take all those screenshots and then uh process them I, i've got a favorite way of um a favorite kind of look, uh, I guess, to images, it's, which is even a little bit harsher than than what's generally on my Instagram. But I like really strong contrast. I like deep blacks and bright whites. I like I like imperfection. Um, so the, I like imperfection both in the the look and feel of an image, and I like imperfections on us. So I freckles, moles. Um, things that aren't quite right, uh, a little cut on, on your earlobe, um, things that, um, things that we all have. And so what this was doing, as I was seeing each of these pictures after, after I got them and then and processed them was it really looked like it, memories of real, uh, conversations. And, and so some of them I would, I even kept in the little zoom nuggets that you, that you get like, <laughs> uh, running out of time, you have five minutes left or, you know, uh, <laughs> hit escape to get out of full screen mode or something like that. Just, just little things. Um, just to, as those reminders that, oh yeah, this, this kind of sucked because we were, if, if you're imagining you were the significant other, we were separated because of COVID, but, um, but we made do, we adapted. Yeah. Well, what I like about your the way you did this is that you were really just focused on the creative process and not on your camera equipment because obviously you just had you were just doing screen captures. And I was curious to hear kind of having decoupled the importance of the equipment from the equation, how did that help you focus more on the creative process for the project? It's that's a good question. Um it it forced me this is something I like to do, but it forced me uh, to be very deliberate about it. And that was just see in the frame what I want. And so um, that might be, I need somebody to walk past the camera because I want to catch just just a bit of their arm or the bend of their elbow. I don't, it's not a full body shot. This Again, it's not a posed portrait. Um, so what it did not having to worry about things like um shutter speed and iso uh i could i could focus on just slowly move and i'll get it <laughs> like if we if we just kind of go in slow motion if it's blurry fine because that's kind of how zoom calls are um you move fast you're going to get twitchy uh and it it was so it's more it's more it, the result. I think is more experiential. I I mean, when I do street work, it's it, I'm in, I'm intuitive rather than thinking about technical stuff. So sometimes I'll miss things if if missing means my focus wasn't super sharp. Um, but then I also I don't get hung up on that because I'll look back at some of my 
favorite inspirational photographers. And a lot of their stuff is out of whack uh, by by kind of purist standards. Um, mm-hmm. Plenty of it isn't. I mean, plenty of it's sharp, but this was not intended to be a like pixel perfect fashion shoot. Um, (laughs) So what I could do, I mean, some of my favorite photographers um, probably, well, I'll start with ones that are like, they do, they did worry about pixels because they were going in magazines, but Richard Avedon and Helmut Newton, um, they, they had, uh, they had a, a, a kind of a combination of attention to the soul of a person and the, technical goings on of the equipment but then street photographers like gary winogrand and joel meyerowitz that i adore um they they were all about speed and angles and just intuitive like expecting okay i I see somebody and their daughter walking this direction i see a dog coming this way like you're 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 scanning you're constantly scanning and seeing what's happening what's changing and what what's going to what's going to come together and what are three things that are going to suddenly be interesting. So I'm thinking that same kind of way, just at a much slower pace when I was doing these, um, these individual calls. And then the, kind of the look of it is much more like, rather than something like Gary Winogrand or Joel Meyerowitz, more like a couple of other photographers that I love, Japanese street photographers, um, Daido Moriyama and Tatsuo Suzuki. And th- those guys do a lot of this kind of work where there's fog or mist or, you're looking through a window, uh, water on windows, um, people in motion. Um, so yeah, by, by not having to worry about camera settings, I could focus on what's the feeling here? How, and again, I mean, I don't have to tell myself what's the uplifting, what's the optimistic thing, what's going to make somebody smile or smirk or maybe chuckle a little bit or to, to think, I wonder what they were talking about. I like those kinds of things. I I want people to lean in a little bit and think what was just said right before that frame. Um, and, and I, yeah, so that's, that's, uh, I think that's a gift that comes when you can take the pressure off of yourself about equipment. Yeah, definitely. Well, one of the, one of the other aspects of, of COVID and coronavirus that, um, I think is a challenge for a lot of photographers, especially landscape photographers who are on lockdown is uh, how limited we are in terms of our, you know, staying motivated as artists. And I'm curious fr- from your approach, it sounds like you're, you have tons of motivation. So I'm curious, what are some of your secrets to staying motivated? What are some of the things you've been able to do in order to, to achieve that? Um, I well, it's funny. I wish I was making more. Uh, I um, I guess one way that I motivate myself is that I, I mean, I talk a lot, so I will tell <laughs> I'll tell somebody an idea, and then um, the, I, they're going to come back and say, "Did you do? Hey, did you do that thing? Um, you were you were talking about." Uh, a photography project where all you were going to do was soft focus. Did you do anything with it? Um, you were going to do something where all you were doing was looking down at sidewalks. Did you do anything about that? Or uh, people using bikes and they weren't wearing helmets um, because all you really need is hair gel um, to protect yourself. <laughs> but, <laughs> did you do anything with that? Um, and as as inspiration for that kind of thing, I, when I do consume content, I like to consume, I look at stuff from people who are cranking out work. And what that reminds me is 
I'm consuming right now, I could be creating. Um, and so I don't know one, a different outlet that's, that I've had this year. And maybe this has pushed me with, um, since I haven't been able to be on streets, like, like we would generally, you know, traveling around, um, North America and having a camera in my hand. Um, I've been painting with my kids. Uh, I got two teenage boys and I'm not a painter. My, my older boy is, um, of the three of us, he's definitely tops with painting, but I, but I'll mess around. So the three of us will mess around. And so there's tons of artwork around. (laughs) There's, uh, (laughs) there's sketches, there's mixtures of sketch and acrylic, there's paper, there's, uh, canvas, there's, it's some of it's on found materials. Uh, and it's just, it's fun. It's, it's a way that we can spend time together. Um, Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, you can, you can relax and talk about anything. Um, you can, you can dig into the philosophy of the star Wars movies. If you're <laughs> my boys and me, uh, you can dig into the meat of the matrix. You can, you can dissect movies. You can talk about whatever, and you can enjoy each other's company while making something. And that, so then you're, it's that double benefit of not only did you produce something, um, but you, you're, you're strengthening a, human relationship. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that a lot of us are facing right now is the inability to travel. And I think a lot of landscape photographers, especially, uh, kind of depend on travel in order to make, uh, interesting images. And I think there's a, a lot of people that kind of self limit themselves in their beliefs because of all of, you know, all of the restrictions that are in place, but I'm curious, you know, it sounds obviously through your Corona coupling project, you took those those limiting factors and you turned them into an, an advantage. And I'm curious what advice you'd have for other people who are struggling with those self-limiting beliefs. I would say, so I don't know if this will work for others, but what I do for myself is I'll come up with a category name that feels easy or feels like something that I know that I will do. Um, like if I if I tell myself, I'm going to eat vegetables. Is that going to happen? I mean, yeah, it's kind of going to happen because there's going to be maybe on Saturday night, there's going to be green peppers on that pizza that we order. Um, So yeah, I can tell myself I had vegetables, but if I can do something specific, like I'm going to have as a snack two times this week, celery and peanut butter, then that's something that I'll do. And I know if I say it out loud, I, I can do that. So with something like photography, if I'm, and this is, this is real. These are actual categories that I've um, given myself. Um, Cause I am not, I, I've seen your landscape work. It's, and it's phenomenal. Um, I, my lay <laughs> severe layperson's version of landscape is I'm going to do something that is living room landscape. And another one is going to be swimming pool landscape. And another one can be, the park, there's a uh, about two blocks away from me, a uh, park with a field and volleyball and a couple other things. So if I treat each of those three categories as a landscape, then I'm not setting any other rules for myself. I, maybe it's just a, it's six or 10 pictures that I need to make. Each one's a little bit different. So I can go and it doesn't have to be good. I just put the, the only pressure I'm putting myself on is I'm going to come up with a category and I'm going to fill the category. So 
the living room, if it's rainy or cold and I, you know, I, I don't have any motivation to be outside, fine. I, I'm going to do something where I'm using soft focus on the carpet fibers. And you can't really tell in that uh, the way I use my, my um, focal distance and lighting source, you can't tell with that abstract if it's that it's my carpet, unless, you know, maybe I choose to make it clear that it's carpet. Um, same thing outside. Like, just what would a kid do if you told them, you have to take pictures out here, but it can only be of stuff here. You can't take pictures of the sky. You can't take pictures of the cars way over there. It has to be th- of things here. What do you do? Do you, you get down and look parallel to the grass? Do you aim, do you stand up high and aim down? Um, do you get your body in it at all? Do you shoot down the length of your arm? And so what th- those kinds of things do, I think, is if you have, you come up with subcategories. It's, it's, it's the same kind of mindset as if you're going to sit down and write instead of, especially if there's something like nonfiction about any topic, you don't just start writing like um, how to repair a bicycle. You don't just start typing how to repair a bicycle. You, you come up with an outline of the major chunks of information that you have to convey. And then each of those chunks is going to have three other chunks under it. And then each of those sub chunks might have some sub sub chunks. Um, highly technical talk. But <laughs> I think that kind of mindset, just think of it like an outline for writing. Um, come up with little categories and then just do it. And if you still at that point um, can't do it, then maybe that's maybe you need to find something else um, a, a different hobby for a period of time. Maybe take some time away from it. Because I, I don't, I think these things, um, there are some things I think that are just outside of our reach. Uh, just for whatever reason, we're not meant to do certain things. And we tell ourselves that we should do those things because it's expected that we do those things. And maybe maybe it's not for us. Um, and that that's okay. Find the thing that is for you. Yeah, one of the things I love to do, to your point, especially if like it's, really like just blue skies and no clouds and maybe it's like super windy or something is maybe I'll just look for things on the ground to, to photograph, you know, it's like, okay, for the next 30 minutes, I'm just going to walk around and look for interesting stuff that's on the ground and see if I can make an interesting photograph of it. And, you know, like 80% of what you find is total crap. And, but every once in a while you can come away with something super interesting that, that actually works really well. Yeah, I've I've heard on a, a couple other times when you, uh, well interviews of yours, um, you've said that and or something similar to that, and it's it's reminded me of uh, I I don't know who the first person was that I heard say this, but um, with street photography, similar kind of thing. If if you feel like you're in a rut, walk slower. So if you're in whether it's a crowded or an empty sidewalk and you're just walking, slow down. Let people pass you. I guess if it's empty, nobody's going to pass you, but slow down and see what's different. Um, And another one is you're walking in a a certain direction and crowds walking with you stop and turn around. Um, What's behind you. That's one of my favorite ones is always what's right behind you. Um, Maybe, maybe nothing, but maybe something. And, and uh, it's, yeah, you can, you use that same thing, whether it's a, an outside, a traditional landscape, I'll say, or some other landscape category that you give, to yourself. Oh, absolutely. 
Yeah. One of the things that I love to do is, um, you know, look for things that aren't super obvious or might even look kind of ugly and see if there's a way to make them look more interesting in terms of like the light or maybe the focal distance, or maybe there's other subjects that you can combine with it. So I think, you know, that, that whole idea of kind of limiting yourself sometimes can actually be helpful. Yeah. And if you're, if, if you're stuck and you're just like, whether you're traditionally a, a landscape photographer or some other type is your favorite go-to, thinking back to like this idea of doing something online, just you can even do it within the same the same house or whatever. It, you can be in a tiny apartment; doesn't matter. Get get two people. I mean, you and one other person on a video call and do this kind of thing that I did, and just have just screen capture. And just work with that. So even if you don't consider yourself a portrait photographer, try that and then just mess around. Maybe maybe you are messing around with a new, um, some settings in Lightroom and you, you want to mess around with some presets to, to speed up your workflow. Well, try this and see what, what your preset does with a bunch of different looks and yeah, see where that takes you. Maybe, maybe it takes you nowhere except at least you got through working through your Lightroom and somebody close to you uh got a laugh out of it maybe um yeah there's the options are endless whether it's uh whether we're living in plague days or any other day there's there's always something that can be captured and like i said the internet is amazing so (laughs) there there we don't there aren't any good excuses it's like writer's block it's either want to write or you don't want to write um you either want to take uh photographs or you don't so in terms of virtual shoots, what are some of the other ideas that you have? Good question. I, I don't have a good idea yet. I, so, but after, <laughs> after, it was all, after it was all done, I started getting the, okay, what's next? Um, right. let's, do, let's do more of that. Uh, I'm very, I'm very project-minded um, as opposed to, well, it's, it's not ex- I'm not exclusively project-minded, but when I, like, even when I'm wandering streets and wandering crowds and um, I, I have in mind at least one or two different projects. So a few years ago, um, there were two overlapping projects in my mind. And um, one was always talk to strangers. And I already had in mind before the before I had some um, shots that were already lined up to be in that, um, I was picturing the cover because I was imagining all those kids growing up whose whose mom said, never talk to strangers, wagging a finger, never talk to strangers. So I was picturing a cover that said, never talk to strangers with a line through never and handwritten over top of it. Always, always talk to strangers. Um, I don't know that my, that my parents ever specifically said talk, always talk to strangers, but I feel like by example, they were always talking to strangers, uh, both of them. I mean, my mom is still that lady that will talk to the person at the grocery store. And you're like, mom, can we just go now? Um, but that and then there was another one, Flirtable City, which was uh, um, this an idea around like how we started out this conversation around what makes a place memorable uh, when you go visit. Is it how long you, you were stuck at a red light? Is it um, how many minutes you took to get there? It, no, it's it's the experiences that you had. It's oh, you get to see a play here. We've never seen a play. Uh, we got to see it at this in this town. It's it's where there was a park right outside of the ice cream shop. So you were able to get your stuff and actually eat outside instead of 
eating in the car uh, while you're driving with your knees. And so the those two projects overlapped. And and so my ideas as I was mingling with people was I was talking to strangers. And so some of those shots I knew were going to specifically be for that project, always talk to strangers. And then others were going to be, what if all similar to this corona coupling in the sense that it was pretend you're the significant other and we're like what are we doing hanging out here at just an ordinary place why this park bench why is this interesting so it's this mixture of um street photography and glamour i suppose in a sense and just documentary like if you were on a trip with somebody what would you be taking shots of so with your back to your question about what's next for for virtual or for online um i don't know i need to i need to I got to do something again because it's it's fun. It's um, it's fun to be able to interact with people all over the world. I mean, 54 people from all over the world. And then I had to tell people no, because there were still people saying, hey, I want to be part of this. I want to be part of this. And <laughs> I mean, like I said, I'm a people person. I want to be talking with strangers. So all the time. Um, so, yeah, I there's 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 something there. Uh, and there, it's it's such a wide open thing. So I, I would strongly encourage anybody, um, you know, try that. Try, whether, again, whether it's somebody in your own household already and you just log on to a call uh, with each other or or somewhere else, a stranger from across the world. Uh, yeah, try it out. Try it out. Well, I got, I got some ideas for some landscape or nature virtual shoots if you want to hear them. I do. Spit them All out. Right. All right, so one of them, you could, you know, this one would be take a lot more work, but you could actually create like your own forest scene using like uh, models, like tiny little like hobby models, like build your own little trees and stuff like that, mm. and then and then shoot it with like a macro lens. So you you're like down low in your you know three inch tall trees, shooting like a really interesting forest scene. Okay, so that's one idea. And actually, I saw a friend of mine do something similar to that with an airplane scene over San Francisco. It was pretty incredible, mm. uh, where he used like tiny little models, planes, and buildings and stuff like that. I thought that was super interesting. Another one uh, that you could do is you could take screenshots in like super immersive video games. Um, there's some video games out there that are like incredibly beautiful, um, like with insane art and graphics and stuff like that. I think that would be a really fun exercise is to take just beautiful screenshots in one of your favorite video games. That's a good idea. And I mean, you could even, so I guess here's, here's the hangup. I can imagine somebody listening, uh, and thinking, Oh, what about copyright? What about, uh, what am I allowed to do? So what I would say and I'm not a lawyer, but I'll say this. Uh, <laughs> I, I say a lot of things without practicing law. Well, I mean, I practice it. I'm just not allowed to. Um, I I would say just do this stuff again. This is for your, this is for your own enjoyment. Um, same kind of thing like with Google Street View. Find if you if there's a place around the world, some amazing place that you wanted to visit and capture a landscape, uh, or some place maybe bodies of water use Google Earth and find those things and just take a couple screenshots. And then again, start messing around with um, with presets uh, in Lightroom or or whatever program you're using. Um, Nick, find a free one. Um, and just, yeah, just start messing around with that kind of stuff. Uh, even better, if you want to 
start sharing with, with the world. And so you do need to be careful about making sure you're not taking other people's images. And it's instead of just messing around um, on your own computer, do something like dig into um, uh, public domain material and take something that's in the public domain and then mess around with it, like remove the background or put it in Photoshop and make a crazy sky. Um, Inter- intermix somebody like make make somebody from the 1920s talk to a lego character in that same shot or you know whatever the thing is it this these ideas that you these things that can be done <laughs> thanks to the internet again uh there's they're endless um i mean there are so many of these things we could do if we had the time and could afford to travel everywhere but if you're just going to take a you just have a few hours and you know you're not going to travel anywhere then yeah, find some of these settings, um, these scenes online and snap them and then start messing around. It, so for different people, the joy is going to come in different places. Like for me, Photoshop is not my thing. My older boy loves Photoshop. My younger one is quickly uh, catching up to him in his adoration of Photoshop. Um, I, that's not my thing. My I am much more the capture of the uh, imperfect and candid moments. Um so I, I'm I'm giving ideas that I myself would not follow through with. But for people that like the editing side or the manipulation side, um, yeah, it's it's endless, endless opportunities. Yeah, I think another interesting thing people could do and something I've been thinking about is partnering up with like two or three other photographers and like trading raw files and like of of each other's work and then just mm. seeing which who comes up with the most interesting versions of the of the photograph and and like have people vote on their favorite edits and stuff like that and then you could learn about like their editing style and I think that could be a fun exercise as well but it's something that doesn't require you to leave the house <laughs> I and you know that's that's a good reminder too and I think what you're describing Matt is something that um I've seen and I'm not alone in this but what I've, what I've seen firsthand, and I, I think others are seeing the same thing, is that we, we, the global we, are just more relaxed than we were a year ago in, in a lot of ways. Um, at the very beginning of video conferences for business stuff, people, <laughs> since, like I told you, I'd been working remote for a long time. So um, people, friends of mine knew that I was familiar with some of these software and I've podcasted. So they knew I had a microphone and, you know, just, they would come to me and say, what do you do about this? Do you need a mic for that? Uh, what kind of camera should I use? I I'm still, I've got a, a webcam, um, a Logitech that I've had for like eight years. I think it's still fine, but just all these questions bombarding. And at first everyone was freaking out. Like this has to be, uh, sharp and just right. And what about my background? And, uh, Oh, I forgot you did a workshop and you were talking about lighting and what do I need for lighting? And so, after after several weeks of that, people just chilled out a little bit. And yeah, it's totally. still very important. <laughs> I'll still say like audio is number one. Yes, make sure you're not banging stuff on the table next to your laptop microphone or whatever. A lamp next to you makes a world of difference so that you don't look like an old timey monster villain. Um, <laughs> they, like there are some basic things, sure. But people have relaxed so much on camera and then now we have Zoom fatigue. Um, these these things that you're describing about ways of uh, with artists sharing each other's files and um, 
poking at each other and asking, you know, what were you thinking here? Uh, testing the ideas, um, challenging people to articulate what was on their mind, um, challenging people to articulate what it is they're trying to achieve. And what would this look like in print? What would it look like if it was a four by six? And what would it look like if it was 20 by 16? Um, those kinds of things. I think, I think before we were all stuck under, <laughs> under this economic martial law, I think before we would have, we were a lot edgier about those kinds of things. And, um, had more of a of a wall around us about like maybe not totally impenetrable but you know it's always hard to hear some criticism but i think now we're just so loose with how we interact with each other that what you're describing can be like that kind of group critique or or just even if you think of it as a group game like you said if you think more of it like a swap um it's, totally. it's like a house swap. So rather than picking somebody apart uh, and saying, well, if I was you and then getting into the whole, well, actually, I was thinking this, you skip all that. Just swap, swap pictures. And then and what would you do? And, and then you're going to be forced as an exercise or a game to uh, you're going to see things differently because the, the subject matter to begin with is very different. 100 percent. Yeah. All right, man. Well, so what is uh, next for your Corona coupling project? What are you going to actually do with it? So the I've got the book. The book is available. Um, if you uh, if you go to andymadethis.com, there's a link to that. Uh, there's a summary page that I made, uh, andymadethis.com slash about Corona. Um, but yeah, it, that's the starting point is just it's this eight by 10 book. It's it's huge it's uh it's to it this is not what (laughs) kids don't make a 200 plus page uh um this is what happens when you have uh 54 people plus commentary on these three different questions of uh um what did you learn about yourself during quarantine what's a relationship that improved and why do you enjoy making art uh you're gonna get a voluminous piece of work so the short the short term is i've got this book out and i would love for people to enjoy it um i still really want and i i have not yet begun this um quest uh, i think two people I, I had some preliminary conversations about galleries um of course a gallery is going to look very different in 2021 uh than it did in 2019 um but there's we're still, I mean, we're humans. We're gonna, we're adapting already, and we're not gonna be isolated forever. And so, I would love, I would love for this to be um, in in some form, uh, in some type of gallery form where people can experience um, the kind of the layering of hmm. images with these people, like the the retelling of um, of these Zoom distance relationships with the uplifting commentary, the stories from the people who participated, not my story about why I think relationships are important, but just all these, all these little gems and anecdotes from, from all the people that were involved. So that's, that's what's next for, for Corona coupling. Love it. And I understand, uh, you know, one of the things that sounds like you have, uh, quite a lot of knowledge on and passion about is, you know, having, a a method by which you can kind of plan and then shoot and produce uh, online art projects such as your Corona coupling project. 
So are you planning on uh, offering any way to teach other people how to go from step one to step 272 yeah. for, for something like this? That's a great question. And in fact, I'm uh, making a note to myself right now that uh, Matt called me out in public. And so I'm going to have to follow through. Yeah, the short answer is yes. So I... Um, I never, I never thought that I would be a uh, in a teaching position because growing up, um, teachers were, <laughs> teachers and I were not necessarily aligned. Um, when I was starting elementary school, I was doing the math to figure out how long do I have to be in this thing. <laughs> <laughs> when do I get out? Um, When's recess? <laughs> exactly. We just had lunch. When's recess? Um, I I've been. I find myself uh, teaching people things as after I learn them because there, I don't know if you're familiar with this idea of the the curse of knowledge that when you learn yes. something. Okay, so it, this is I, I forget. I I want to give credit to where it came from, and I cannot remember the author um, whose mind I took this right out of. But um, this, if 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 you search for this online, you will you will find that quote. But um, this I, the idea is once you learn something. You forget that the millions of people behind you have not yet learned that thing. Um, for me, uh, that was true every step of the way with photography. I, in fact, I don't, I don't even say that I'm a self-taught photographer. I say that I was taught by masters because the internet, uh, well, and fashion magazines when I was younger, but just uh, absorbing from other people. But I find now getting the same questions over and over again. So this is true. This happens with uh, photography, um, videography, and then bigger picture over that is storytelling. Like how do you, we hear that all the time. Like you need to tell stories, tell a story, tell a story, story, stories. What does that mean? Like I, I feel like we, we hear that so often that it's white noise. What does it mean to hook someone with a story? Um, and so I've done digital courses. I've done in-person workshops, but for this particular thing, th this creating something around the 21st century tools that we've got and on the cheap, because I don't like to blow a big budget. Um, I, yes, I, I'm going to do I'm going to do a um, probably both a print version, some type of um, print material for uh, for training and then some type of video digital course. Um, I love it. I, I think I'm going to start on the printing side. Uh, well, digital the, is going to be a shorter thing because it's what I learned quickly from uh, people participating was for especially for models who want they're not looking to have a full time career modeling, but they want to be good enough that they can get paid to do um, work from time to time when they want, you know, mm -hmm. weekend warrior stuff or once a month or from just from time to time. Um, so basic awareness of um, an understanding of what a, what a photographer is going through so that they can think ahead. Oh, this is what I need to do. And then the double benefit in these in Corona times or any, any quarantine time going forward would be if you're on that modeling side, then you, if you need to play the role of photographer could do it to some degree so that it's not just my arm is only this long. I'm holding my iPhone out here and trying to right. capture myself. So yeah, I because I would love the, I would love to see the, the other people try this kind of thing. Uh, I I don't pretend that that everybody's gonna like the look of it and the aesthetic, but um, based on the feedback that I got early on, I, I 
there are enough people out there that do, but I would love to see more people put their own spin on this kind of thing. Yeah, definitely. I love that idea. And I love that you brought up the curse of knowledge because it's one of my favorite, uh, favorite terms or ideas around um, politics. Cause it's like, Yes. My my favorite thing about curse of knowledge, at least the curse of knowledge idea or concept is like if you're observing the behavior of a group of people that maybe are not like you and and like what's the first thing you ask yourself, right? Like what are they doing or why are they doing that? Like don't they know this? And that's what that's an example of that. It's like, oh, they don't they're not equipped with the same experience or knowledge that I am. And we all we all assume that everyone knows what we know, but it's completely wrong. Mm-hmm. So I love that you've applied it to to a photography project because that's honestly that's why people pay others to learn. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I yeah, I would love to see other other variations of this kind of thing. I mean, just like with the with real life, you know, in real life kind of photography projects, you give the exact same camera, you hand the physically the same camera to three different photographers, and you're going to get three different results, maybe not wildly different, but you're going to get different looks because we each see things a little bit differently. So the same kind of thing with this sort of project, Um, screen capturing what you see, like what you choose, whether it's portraits and uh, certain poses, or it's, it's cosplay kind of stuff, or it's attempts at candid, yeah, there's just all sorts of things that you can do. Absolutely. Well, I think, Andy, your project is really cool. Um, I thought it was a really neat idea. And I think um, landscape photographers that are keen and are listening, I think they could take a lot out of this conversation and these ideas and maybe try to apply it to their own projects or things that they may not have thought about from a different angle. So I appreciate you uh, telling us about your project and your ideas. Yeah, it was great to chat with you. And hey, if you're a landscape photographer and you've got a fear of heights or fear of edges, you don't have to stand at the edge of the Grand Canyon or or climb up Pikes Peak. You uh, just get on the internet. The internet is amazing. That's today's lesson. Cool, man. So wrapping up, who would you recommend we have here on the podcast? I am a listener of your show, so I knew this question was coming. Um, and I have two for you. And... Um, One is Chris Suspect, and he is based in Washington, D.C. And the other is somebody that I mentioned earlier in in our chat, and that is Tatsuo Suzuki. And he is a Japanese street photographer. And uh, both of them are active on Instagram, but um, those are the two that I would recommend. Awesome, man. Well, thanks, man. This has been a lot of fun. I really appreciate it. Um, Hopefully you come up with some more ideas to to take advantage of your new prowess at doing virtual shoots. <laughs> Thanks. I appreciate it. Now you're going to hold me accountable to uh, get that, that course out on, on teaching other people how to do the same. I am. I am. On I expect, its way. You I heard expect it here, everybody. It. I, I expect <laughs> to see it shortly. <laughs> awesome, man. <laughs> All right, well, thanks to Andy for the fun chat on the podcast. I encourage you all to check out his Corona Coupling Project, which is linked in the show notes. Before we part ways this week, I'd love to take a moment to ask for a couple of favors. First, if you're not already supporting the show on Patreon, please do. It helps pay for my costs to keep the show going, including my hosting platform, my recording platform, my sound licensures, and lots more. 
I see the podcast operating in the value for value space, and I let you, as a listener, determine what to pay. I figure anything more than zero is fair game. You can support the show via Patreon, or you can make a one-time or recurring donation via PayPal on my website on the podcast page. Second, if you're already supporting the podcast, thank you so much. I want to hear back from you. What else can I do to provide even more value to you as a listener and supporter? I'm very open to any ideas you might have because I don't want to lose any more patrons. So thank you for reaching out and giving me your thoughts. Well, speaking of our newest patrons, thank you to Nick Stover and Frederic Peltier. You're both awesome. And I also wanted to thank Wayne Suggs for increasing his pledge. I appreciate you, my friend. Well, that's all for now. Thanks for stopping in collaborating with us, and listening. See you next week.